The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent, including Olas Media. Olas Media. Olas Media presents Cannabis Enlightened. Now, here's your host, Dr. Leroy Brady. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another dynamic, stimulating episode of Cannabis Enlightened. I am your host, Dr. Leroy. And today, I am meeting with a young lady who has a cannabis business that I first discovered at the Farmer's Cup. And I have to say this. I saw her advertising. I saw her picture on the table of her, with her products. And then it was pointed out to her in the audience. And I said, this is not the same person. Um, I mean, the picture does not do this lady any justice. So I had to go over to her and I say, are you the same person as that picture over there? She said, yes. And I said, wow, I have got to have you on my podcast. I've got to do an episode with you. And, you know, it was like magic. She said, yes. And I was just so delighted. You know, I'd like you to introduce yourself to the audience. And yes, your hair is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I, you know, you're, you're making my day as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so at this point, if you can gather yourself back together, because she, she's smiling right now. She's laughing right now. Tiana Woodruff, I am the founder and CEO of Queen Mary, a cannabis brand that is social equity out of Los Angeles. Okay. And um, yeah, we're all about health and wellness. And we're kind of gapping the bridge between the medicinal side of cannabis into the recreational side of cannabis. And that is what our what our whole brand is about. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, your product is Queen Mary. Yes. And you're out of Los Angeles. Yes. Okay. So what kind of product do you have? So currently what I have is what's called a daily cannabis regimen. So um, we have three products on the market right now, a tincture and two gummies. And it's set up as easy as one, two, three steps. So you have a tincture in the morning that is infused with THCV and vitamin D, mm -hmm. give you a boost of energy. A daily maintenance gummy called Enchanted. It's infused with rhodiola and B12. And then we have a sleep aid gummy for the night called Moonstruck. And it has CBM, which is a wonderful pain relief and sleep aid um, for people. So I, I, we're going to get into those in a little bit during our discussion. Yes. But you mentioned that you are a social equity. Yes. So what is that? Because the listening audience, I mean, I don't think they understand or know what social equity is. So tell me a little bit about that. There are two that. different things to social equity. There is the legacy people that, you know, were operating in the illicit market before cannabis mm -hmm. came into the um, mainstream. And then there's also the social equity people where people that were affected by the war on drugs. They weren't necessarily in the business or they had family members or they come from impoverished co communities that were affected by the war on drugs. Mm -hmm. And so there's certain criteria for your zip code, um, where you lived in certain areas of time and how long you were there, what your current um, uh, financial situation is, and then whether or not you had like a past cannabis conviction. Those are three criteria they use, at least in the state of California and partially in Los Angeles, for qualifying for social equity. And you met either all or a couple of, of that yes, criteria? Yes, um, you know, um, my past stuff with cannabis, I don't know, talk much about. I was like, it's not really my story to tell, but I did check all three boxes. We'll just say that. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. How long have you been in business? 
what just we just had our one year anniversary of the launch of the brand just last month so oh my gosh yes oh my gosh just one year <laughs> one year but in that year it's been a mighty year i started the brand by myself without any financial backing any investors um i was in the lottery to um the first back in 2019 in los angeles they had their first round of social equity you had to qualify first mm-hmm. and then they did a round for 100 retail licenses i was not granted a retail license and then i tried to pivot and do something else there was a loophole about getting what they call a PCN, which is a public convenience necessity. So you have to go to your local city council and petition them and say, you know, I deserve to have a, you know, in this district, um, you know, a license. And we had that in the bag until one of our public city councilmen was got recalled. And so he let all of our the license applications go and it's non-refundable. So I had investors at that point that lost a ton of money. I did not get the license. And so I just kept pushing forward and was like, okay, so no license, what can I do? I found out I didn't need a license to create a brand, so Queen Mary came into fruition through the back door that way a little bit. I found some manufacturers, I found a distributor that I work with, and I am, that's how we got started. How did you get started in the business? Well, I got started by, um, because I was actually a delivery driver, <laughs> starting in 2016. Okay. Um, in, in, the, in the industry, during the medical days, I delivered for a couple of cannabis dispensaries. Okay. And I delivered at night because I was trying to avoid LA traffic. And I found that most of the people I delivered to um, were women. And mm-hmm. so I had this idea to start a brand called Queen Mary, oh, okay. but it was going to be a delivery service with women-only drivers for women-only customers. Oh, I like it. Yes, it was great. And that's how I found out about the social equity program and kind of went through that whole step process. Um, I did that on my own without the help of any advisors or attorneys. I didn't realize that it was quite the big like hoorah that it was and all the controversy that Big happened. Deal, right. Yeah, especially in LA because, you know, they got audited um, and the city got, uh, they were sued by people because oh, it was right. kind of an unfair process and a lot right. of things because they had attached real estate to the deal. And it's like, how can you have social equity, people that you know come from impoverished backgrounds and lower income communities and then yeah. say, you can, you can apply for a license, but you first have to have a lease and a real estate, you know, to attach it to. And it's, right. it really hurt a lot of people. And there were a lot of predatory things happening yeah. and a lot of things that was, you know, it was a big mess a little bit. Um, however, uh, that's how I got started. That's not my beginning story with cannabis, but that is my industry, my beginning into the industry. And so when I did not receive a license in the first or the second round of mm-hmm. social equity, um, I found this group called Our Academy, Our Dream. They were a, a nonprofit uh, group that is like an incubator program for people of color and not in social equity to learn the business it's it was 15 weeks we met twice a week and they had everything on there um in our classes from attorneys to accountants to people talking about compliance to marketing and branding and in in, in, in that 15 weeks i created queen mary i came up with the idea mm. and the brand and what i was going to have for products and so at the end of that program they were trying to help us like let's see if we can get you investors or get you in front of buyers i didn't quite have any any money or any products yet <laughs> i actually had found out about um this company that was giving away um grants for social equity twice a year and the they're a big cannabis company of los angeles and they have a production in needles and i won a ten thousand dollar grant Mm-hmm. Um, in the fall of 2020, like in September. <laughs> so I took that money and I went right into production and I launched wow. my products that I had learned and you know created during this program. Wow. Now, you know, I, I talk to people all the time about cannabis. Um, a lot of people that just want to know what's going on and other people that want to get into the business like yourself. Many of them feel like they can uh, get a license very quickly 
boom, <laughs> on Monday, they can get a license. And then by Friday, they're, they're putting the down payment on their island out in, uh, in, in the ocean. Um, but I don't think that's exactly the way it happens. You're right. It is not the way it happens. It's like there's this very miscued um, preconceived notion that cannabis is a.k.a. the green rush, right? It's, you know, yeah. our, there's all this money. Everyone's just getting filthy rich and sitting on their yachts and woohoo, cannabis. No, absolutely not. It is highly regulated, first off. You have to, the barrier to entry is not easy, even with these social equity programs that are coming along across the country and different things. I see people trying to take California and kind of learn from our mistakes mm-hmm. um, and improve yeah. on social equity. But there's been, there's a lot of greed as well, because as you see in Michigan and even happened in LA, people are suing these states saying unfair practices. You can't say mm-hmm. that social equity can only have licenses. And in fact, Los Angeles just concluded last week their third round of social equity licenses mm. which Queen Mary was just granted I found out on Friday All right. so as of a week ago I did receive a opportunity to get a retail storefront in Los Angeles Ooh, okay <laughs> yes I'm very excited but you know there's still a lot of work to be done I spent the last year building a brand which is really great we actually right. are expanding into um, New Mexico and Colorado in, in January Ooh. so I'll be on the shelves in three states Great. and I did that on my own without the help of once again any financial backing I started my brand with $10,000 sold what I could every penny goes back into the business thank goodness I'm married because I at least have a little bit of advantage I haven't made a dollar to my name this year like I've never paid myself everything I work 60 70 hours plus a week and it all goes into the business oh my goodness and is it you know, I tell also tell people that it's possible that you can lose money in this. Oh, absolutely. Is is that I think we need to hear a testimony from somebody that's actually in the business. Well, I mean, you can lose money. I mean, any, any smart business person will tell you, you never put your own money into your business, right? You get investors. But when there's social equity, you don't always have those options. And you also don't always have the options to have money either. We don't mm-hmm. come from a background. But yeah, you lose money left and right. I mean, I'm living, <laughs> I haven't made a penny yet. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, people see Queen Mary around, they think we're quite successful. Um, and then I've had investors, like I said, when I lost that, the, the PCN application, they lost $50,000. And so, you know, I don't know if they'll be picking up my calls when I call them and say, hey, you remember me? <laughs> I got that license for sure now. We don't have to worry. We can find it. But, you know, you never know. that lot And investors right now, because the industry is taking a downturn and it's a lot a lot of it is policy government you know we are taxed here in california from seed to sale and i don't think consumers and people in the industry realize that and what that really means you hear it but it means the small farmers they pay a huge tax like you know and they're they put so much money you think of the equipment that's involved in growing cannabis all soil treatments the science behind it to get the perfect strain and then you turn around and you a pound of weed you can maybe sell for six hundred dollars and then forty percent of it's going to the government so you're really losing all that and that's not the first so it's taxed there then it's taxed when it goes from there to the to the manufacturer or the person that's either extracting it or packaging it right we get taxed and then there's an excise tax in between there and then from the excise tax it goes to um, the consumer and the consumers pay a 30% you know, state and sales tax on top of an excise tax as well. So literally, the only people that are profiting off cannabis are the same people that are stopping us from being a, a, a viable industry. It's the government. They are. Mm. They talk about, oh, we've made you know, $3.4 billion off of taxes. I'm like, yeah, but the industry didn't make that. Like, mm. Because you're just taking and taking and taking and you're not helping us thrive. So yeah, there's a lot of loss. A lot of investors are very tight-lipped right now. They're not giving 
giving out money like they were. I mean, if this were 2019, 2018, when it was like the gold rush and people were just coming online, everyone was handing out money left and right because they wanted to, you know, get involved. And now that we've seen how the market has just kind of shifted, everyone's very tight book. So right now, everyone knows in the industry that capital is huge and raising money right now is not easy. People aren't giving out the money that, you know, to help cannabis businesses stay afloat. There's a lot of cash flow problems. We have banking problems. You know, we can't legally bank. And I can't go to Chase and just open up a, a business account because it's And why illegal. is that? Because it's illegal federally. So they won't back us. So then there's these other services that come online. I won't call them out, but they, they, they do bank. They're the middleman for banking. But then they charge you. They started, like some of them, when I was looking in 2020, it was $2,500 a month for a checking account, like through them, like just to have an account. And then they would do other services. Some of them would drop down to at least 500 now, like for social equity. But it's like, could you imagine as a personal person, like mm. we complain that our bank charges us 10, 12 bucks a month to have an account. And instead, wow. like I'm paying you $500 a month just to hold my money and to transport it around. Wow. It's a very, you know, volatile business. On top of that, you have people think it's, it's cash heavy because of that. So we get, there's a lot of robberies and a lot of people mm. taking money. It's very risky. It, I mean, I, I hope to see more people like you and I in the industry survive and, you know, tackle what, what was wrong in the industry because, you know, it's hard to see people still sitting behind bars, still people getting in jail. Even, you know, there's a lot of opinions about the Brittany Griner situation as well. And it's like, here we are, but corporate America still controls cannabis, whether, you know, even including the, you know, the people that are lobbying in government are going, are the, is the, the, uh, what am I looking the pharmaceutical companies, right. <laughs> you know, because there's a big difference between um, descheduling and rescheduling cannabis. And we'll get into that. Too. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, who's going to profit? Well, you know, they're setting it up and they're waiting because big pharma is going to come in and change the whole market and take away what was indigenous to the black and brown people, the people that have built this community, the people that have been doing cannabis for decades now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all the artists and musicians and lots of people have come up from that and that there's such this negative stigma behind the plant and we're barely getting enough time, money to like start researching and realizing that there's so much more good that can be brought from cannabis Mm -hmm. than what has been thought of over the past like 50 years. So how many women are in the cannabis industry? Are, are, there, are there a lot of women? No, they're not. And unfortunately, most of the women that are in cannabis are, first of all, the women that hold C, C-suite executive positions are, it's like 3%. It's ridiculous. It's something very small. And then as for women in cannabis, a lot of women have started ancillary businesses, you know, like accountants, the cannabis accountants okay. or cannabis lawyers. Mm-hmm. So that brings up the number. I think it kind of skews it for who's actually plant touching and who's actually working in cannabis. Right. That number is quite small. So plant touching. Yes. You're part of plant touching. Technically, yes and no. Um, because I'm unlicensed and I'm a brand, according to the government, I'm non-plant touching because I, my products go from a manufacturing state straight to a distributor and then go straight to stores, retail storefronts. Mm-hmm. So technically, like I personally don't have access to my product unless I buy it in a store. <laughs> You're kidding. No. And it's sad. It's really hard because people always ask them. They put a few loopholes in there now to help us a little bit of sampling. I can now like take out you know, a day, the maximum amount per people can buy like up to an ounce. Mm -hmm. And then, so you have to do the math when it's edibles because that's what we do. Um, But it still makes it hard when people are like, oh, you know, we're having an event. Can you sponsor this? If they don't have a license that I can transfer it to the distribution, I can't because the law does not allow me to donate products or do anything or touch it without a license. Okay. So what, what's the reaction from your, your customer base on your product? I have a 
lot of wonderful feedback. And I, I know this because I spent a lot of time on the ground. Like we met at an event. Mm-hmm. I probably since March or April done 40 events in the last six months. Easy. I, what? I'm, uh, I, I sometimes do two and three and four on a weekend. Um, I'm at everything I can be at. Sometimes I have to be in two places at once. <laughs> um, but I've met with so many people. And I do a lot of events that I hear from other people in the industry like, well, that doesn't really give you a return on investment. They're not going into a store directly and buying your product. But the truth is, it's more about that. If you really are in love with the cannabis industry, it's about education and right. changing people's minds and teaching people what the plant is about. And I have so many wonderful people that come talk to me in my booth all the time. They're surprised that the CEO of a company is standing there and not some little hourly you know, rep dispersal. Exactly. But um, you know, I have a lot of knowledge in building this product and a lot of like what the health benefits are of cannabis and trying to change people's minds about mm-hmm. edibles in general and a lot of different other things with smoking weed because you know a lot of people think that the highest THC uh, level is what you need you know the highest THC for your buck and that is the worst thing you could do when you walk into a can of you know into a dispensary um, you'll see a lot of buttenders be like ah oh, fine you know because there's so much education that needs to be done and I think there's a lot of ROI for that and so people really I got a lot of great feedback um, sometimes you know I can uh, give out non-medicated samples which technically there's a loophole I, I make Delta 8 products um, which is 0.3% okay. THC which is usually what I hand out and then people come back and like that was amazing how can I get more mm-hmm. testimonials and it's so great to hear um, you know that people are happy and responding to the type of products that I present because we're very much about um, mental health and wellness and our whole thing um our motto is to provide a natural alternative to addictive prescriptions. Okay. All right. So now you've been at this, you say, for a little over a year? For the brand, yes. I mean, you know, I started with the social equity stuff back in 2019. So that's yeah. going into three years. A lot of policy learning, a lot of compliance learning, a lot of behind the scenes. But once I launched my brand and I'm out in the public, you know, as Queen Mary, um, that's been just over a year, yes. What would you, what advice would you give to, um, let's go women. What advice do you give women concerning the cannabis industry or getting in the industry? The biggest advice I have is talk to people. Go to these events where you see cannabis people and ask questions. Build a network. Get to know who you can ask questions to, where you can find resources, because there's so much to learn, and it's such a predatory place. Mm -hmm. And even now, women, like, I remember one of the conferences I was at this year, um, they had a, you know, they always have, like, meeting rooms and groups, where they had an area that was for women only. Mm -hmm. And they were saying it's so women can actually just unwind and not be, like, (laughs) <laughs> advanced on by men because it's a very male dominated industry mm. and you don't realize until you go to these bigger conventions like we were at BizCon and as soon as you look around it's like you know it's, they're getting better there's a lot more people of color and a lot more women there mm-hmm. but when you look at you know 15, 20,000 attendees, you know, 2,000 are of color. And you got, you know what I mean? 12, 14,000 are basically white males. It's kind of, you know, crazy. And so that going back to what I was saying, they got a lot of pushback from men and people saying what do you mean you have to have what like what why are we excluded you know it's supposed to be equal opportunity and it was like that's don't make it into something it's not can we just have a place where women can sit down at this convention and talk amongst themselves or just take a breather and not have to worry about someone sitting next to them and saying hey it's almost like Mm -hmm. being in a nightclub at times you know Mm -hmm. people coming at you and you're like back off yeah it's crazy it's it's a very more than you know uh predatory um place and so that's why i say like 
find your people, find who you can confront in, who you can talk to, people willing to mentor you. Um, and you, you can only do that by showing up at events. You really have to just Google and show up at cannabis events and see who the community is. Because I can say this from at least, you know, I go up to, to the Northern California a few times a year, you know, San Francisco and stuff. But I can tell you from Los Angeles down to San Diego, mm -hmm. the social equity community all in between, we all know each other. You know, mm. I've seen so many people, so many faces over and over again at different, you know, whether it's an anniversary of a, a dispensary down to, you know, just a, a, a fundraising event or something. And we all see each other and we all lift one another up. A prime example is there is a guy on Instagram um, that follows, he's like a, a, a influencer, and he was arrested for cannabis in Florida, mm. and he was targeted. And so we had a big fundraiser to help pay for his legal fees, and you know he beat it, which is great, but to see the same people, the community, and that's how we come together, and that's yeah. how we help on each other. And so we are around, we are here to help, you know, start with social equity, whatever your city municipal is and stuff, and work your way out, and you will find us. We are around. What keeps you in the business? Oh, well, I do have a personal story as to why I started um, with cannabis, and that was because um, my aunt, my, my only aunt, my mom's only sister, she died of an opioid overdose um, a few years ago. And then... I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. And then, like, about a year and a half later, my grandmother, her mother, was prescribed the same prescriptions that tore our family apart oh. um, for paying opioids at 90 years old. Can you imagine? Oh, my. Um, so, uh, she, you know, I really had a problem with that and worked really hard to wean her off of those opioids because it was changing her personality and she was not the same person. Mm. And that kind of got me into researching the plant a bit more in the medicinal side. Mm. And a friend of mine had given me a book to read called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. And it was about by a, um, a revolutionary you know, psychiatrist, um, Dr. Amen. And he has rehab centers around the country. Mm -hmm. And he kind of, in his book, talks about different natural supplements that can have, help offset the use of opioids, um, from L-theanine to rhodiola to B12 to vitamin D. And he actually has a charts in his book, like, if you're on Adderall, take this, this, and this, and this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had this moment like, wait a minute, okay, I see this. This is a great thing that he's doing, but he's missing part of this puzzle, part of this piece of the puzzle. And that's the fact that if you've ever really been around addicts or had a loved one or someone that's truly addicted to, whether it's street drugs or prescription meds, you know that they mess with your CB1 receptors and there's an addiction there, a sense of euphoria, euphoria and that rhodiola and you can take all the vitamin B in the world for focus, B12 is not going to help. And so I got this idea like, Bridging the gap with cannabis. And so cannabis also helps, you know, affects your CB1 receptors and your CB2, depending on, you know, the, the cannabinoids that are in the plant. That's a whole other discussion. Um, and, you know, combining them with these natural supplements. And so that's what Queen Mary has done and why I'm in the business. It's about changing lives and getting people up. I'm fighting the war on drugs. I'm fighting against pharmaceutical drugs and sure. pushing for cannabis because you hear a lot of things in the street like, oh, it's God's plan. Oh, it's my medicine. And it sounds like an excuse to people that aren't in the business. Like, oh, you're just finding a way so you can use weed. And yeah, mm -hmm. you know, there's people that like it recreational. That's great. But there's no other thing. Like, tobacco, alcohol doesn't give, you know, people do that for recreation too. And it seems to be fine, even though we have, I don't know how many DUIs, accidents and deaths each year. People dying of cancer from cigarettes and all the nicotine and everything. But then we have this stigma against cannabis and it's like, have we, what, what's the stigma there? Because we, as we're researching it and we're finding out that our bodies have a natural inner cannabinoid system, 
Um, that most of the terpenes and the different cannabinoids found in the plant are in most of the fruits and vegetables that we eat and the trees and stuff that we see. And so it's like, hold on, this is a very holistic, very good plant, and there's a lot of benefits from it. But we have let propaganda and a lot of other people get in the way the last 50 years of basically pushing it aside and teaching us that it's bad. And finding out that's not the case it is good so tiana let, let me back up a little bit you talked about cb1 receptors yes so for our listening audience well, what are you talking about there, there are you saying there are certain receptors inside our body the cb1 receptors are located in your brain yes so okay. basically that helps like um it, it affects your your sense of pain your sense of um movement things like that so mm-hmm. um there's a lot of different things and i'm not a scientist so <laughs> don't take you know look it up um but uh, to paraphrase in layman's terms okay. um yeah but that's what the cb1 receptors are so they also affect like you know your your thinking your way you process information the way your body d- uh, handles you know everything that fires like if you prick your finger um, and you feel pain, that's firing at one of your CB1 receptors. You feel that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the type of effect that these drugs have, um, especially, you know, we think that pharmaceuticals are good because they're prescribed by a doctor, but we all know there's a lot, of, we're learning there's a lot of money behind that, and that's not necessarily true. It's kind of, but the people get euphoric, like that, that's what they're chasing. They're chasing this happiness, this cloud-like floating feeling that they're getting from these drugs. And so that is kind of what, the, is what happens with the CB1 receptors. Are you finding that people that are taking alcohol or tobacco um, are resistant to um, cannabis or? I think there's a good mix in that. And I say that people that do, you know, tobacco and alcohol, it's just that tobacco tobacco and alcohol is just is is fine. It's this everyday thing. No one thinks twice about it. So if you smoke cigarettes, people, yeah, might not like the smell of smoke, but they don't care. We all know it causes cancer, but we're like, as long as you're not giving me cancer, stand over there. I don't care. You know, same thing with drinking, you know, sure. everyone waits to be, no one can wait to be 21 as a kid growing up. Like, I want to go bar. You know, from 18, you're just dying to be 21 so you can go out and drink and hang out with your friends. It's supposed, it's, it's been, you know, a culture for over a hundred years. I mean, when we try to you know, put a ban on alcohol. We had so much bootlegging going on in this country. We actually just decided to go back and make it legal again. (laughs) You know, so it's like, what happened with cannabis here in the same sort of, you know, retrospect, but Mm -hmm. cannabis is once again, it, it, until recently with the like legalization and pharmaceutical companies getting involved, it was a black and brown indigenous thing. And it was like, it was considered that, you know, black people and people, criminals and the cartels were growing marijuana. So mm-hmm. it's no good. Mm-hmm. It's not coming from, you know, a lab mm-hmm. here in the U.S. And so there's that, that very, very dark stigma that comes along with cannabis. And so to be more precise to your question, I think that some people do drink and are, will smoke weed sometimes. It's very social, you know. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, a lot of people can't um, that would like to because mm-hmm. of laws and being tested for work. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm not allowed. I would love to, but I could lose my job. Mm-hmm. And so they won't take that step to... So we need to really adjust our laws and making sure that people can't be fired because nothing's stopping anybody from drinking a whole fifth of tequila on a Saturday night and getting a car wreck and, you know, whatever and showing up to work Monday morning. Like, that's okay. But me smoking a joint on a Saturday, I can lose my job because I got tested on Tuesday. Like, for something that's not even, I'm not high still. I'm not going to work high. Like, how do we bridge that gap? So following up on that, and I think that perhaps the, the, your answer to this next question will, uh, I think, most definitely further your product. 
What do you think is necessary for cannabis to be more widespread, accepted, um, I guess, maybe socially or politically? What do you think it's going to be necessary? Well, I know there's a lot of talk of, you know, different things from, you know, descheduling and making it legal. But I believe the way that we're going to make it more widespread and acceptable is research. We have got to put money behind research. We have to allow these universities to federally fund these research to, to really uh, for people to understand, like, hold on, wait a minute. We found out that there's this benefit. There's this benefit. Yes, there's a wonderful euphoric high and release stress, you know lighting up a joint when you come home from work versus drinking a six pack, you know, mm. how's that health? What does that do to your health different ways? Because we all know that alcohol can be poisonous to your liver and your body's trying to get rid of it. And it's not the most wonderful thing for you, but we still do it because of the way it makes us feel. So I believe that we really have to take a step back and re-educate everyone and re-educate the population. And, you know, right now the way things stand, even though cannabis is legal, it's still federally illegal, which means, mm -hmm. you know, John Hopkins university and all these big research centers cannot study the plant they can do like a side company that's not federally funded to get some private funding and do a couple of studies mm -hmm. the problem with that is that these private funded groups are usually looking for something very skewed like to, to prove one thing and not be beneficial to the whole spectrum of cannabis mm -hmm. so we're having these little studies and little researchers that are just little pockets that are barely opening the mm -hmm. surface so I really believe that we have got to get the research and the community behind it and uh, you know but of course as we know we <laughs> We've got a lot of lobbyists in government and people are going to block that because it's a lot. The pharmaceutical industry, what, I mean, there's a, it's the same thing with, you know, yeah. alcohol and tobacco. We know who's in the government doing lobbying. So that's, I think, the number one thing. It's mostly research and information. And that's what we try to do so much with Queen Mary and with a lot of other stuff. It's like give people as much information as we can so they can make their own uniform decision on whether cannabis is okay. Because we have this thing, like, if you have cancer and you're smoking cannabis and weed, we know, oh, well, that's good for you. It helps you not be nauseous and mm -hmm. it helps you eat. From the chemo. Uh-huh, for right. chemo. Mm -hmm. But that's the only acceptable use for cannabis? Come on. No, you know, we have, you know, unfortunate yesterday, you know, uh, Twitch committed suicide. Yeah. Um really sad we all loved him on tv he seemed like a bubbly person like a myself yeah. yeah and he was a dj and a dancer and wife and kids and everyone thought he was happy and obviously he was dealing with mm. some real issues mental health issues and you know and cannabis can really change that and help people and we need to we need to see it more as something that's essential mm -hmm. than illegal mm -hmm. so What's your what's your outlook for when it would change uh, from maybe from a political standpoint? Because it, it almost sounds like um, politically things are going to have to change before or maybe in concert with the social reaction. Absolutely. And it's hard to gauge because, you know, there's been a lot of talk. We've been trying to push the Safe Banking Act, you know, through government for like every year now. All of us are like, are we going to be able to bank? No. Are we going to bank now? No. Is this been set up? No. And it's just because, um, you know, there's there's a lot like, it's government. There's a lot of lobbyists. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of reason not to. And until we find a way to show that it's not let's be frank our government's not concerned with what's best for the people we're concerned with what's best for the economy mm -hmm. and so until we can find a way to show that cannabis can really be 
you know, because I grew up being taught in school that tobacco was the number one cash crop, you know, in the U.S. Like Mm -hmm. back in the day, that's how we got our start. We were all farmers and we all farmed tobacco. Why isn't cannabis and hemp the number one cash crop? And we have to find a way to show through the economics. I think the only way the government's going to listen is money. Mm -hmm. We have to show how it's going to be more equitable and not equitable, but more profitable Mm -hmm. for the country to to take cannabis off the illicit market and bring it into the into the open market for everyone Mm. that's the only way that Mm. money (laughs) money talks (laughs) right right it sounds like you you have outlined several challenges yes that folks have trying to get into this business yet you're sitting here before me and i mean you're bubbly you're excited i can tell you're passionate about the cannabis industry um, is that like something you have to really gear up for every day as a, a businesswoman in an industry that is, um, as you pointed out, dominated by, by men? Um, or you just, you just like this particular uh, industry? I'd say a little bit of both. A, I love this industry and I love what I do. It's like I've done a lot of things in my life. I've done a lot of different careers, a lot of different paths. And somehow... I have found my niche. I have found where I'm supposed to be. I wake up every day motivated because I love what I'm doing and there's a purpose behind it. And that's why I feel like I'm partially so successful. When they say you find something you love, you never work a day in your life. And so you do put in the hours. I'm a little overwhelmed. It is just me. I've raised Queen Mary. People keep asking me, so tell me about your team. I'm like, you're looking at her. And they're like, what? And I'm like, how are you doing? Like, how are you at this event? And still like your newsletters are coming out. I was like, listen, I've had to organize and get it all scheduled it's automated trust me my instagram posts all that's automated but i have to spend a whole couple of days for them before the end of the month and get it all set up and everything created which takes you know 30 hours of my time and then that's done and then i move on to the next task and the next and you know i get emails and inboxes and i try to reach out and respond to everybody but i can't Mm -hmm. i've had people be like you know mad at me that i didn't respond and i'm like i didn't even i didn't reach out to you and elicit like to come to me, you're coming to me because you need or want something. And mm-hmm. if I don't respond, it's not even that I'm not interested. I'm just spread a little too thin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm everywhere. And so, yeah. but I still love it. And I think, you know, um, I love what I do. I love the kind of cannabis. And I'm very, I've always been a big activist. I've oh. always been about, you know, you know, I'm very liberal, but yet in the confines of, you know, certain things. And so um, I've always spoken up about, you know, I've marched with the with the pink hats. You know, I marched mm. against gun rights. I've been down in L.A. marching for years for lots of different causes and different things. And so when this came along, it gave me a platform as well to speak. And when I started doing the research and understanding what it is, it's like, this is my voice and here I am. And this is what I stand for. So, yes, I believe in the cannabis industry. The men don't bother me. I am married, so at least that helps a little bit. You know, people are like, hey. You know, but, you know, there's a lot of, and it's just, it's just, it is what it is. And there's always, no matter what industry you're in, most of them are male dominated, unless you're like in, you know, cosmetology (laughs) or, you know, some kind of like massage therapist things. Um, So it's just something you deal with every day. And most people, most people in this industry are nice. They, they come out smiling. Most people are happy. Most everyone in cannabis loves what they do. They have a passion for it. And I think that's one of the greatest things about this industry. Yes, there's greed and yes, there's money, but there's still passion behind it. And I don't believe that people who, you know, promote tequila or uh, cigarettes are like, oh, cigarettes are amazing. You have to have them. They just there's 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 money is the backing. And with cannabis, it's still new. Um, you know, it's growing across the world. There's a lot of different things going on right now. We're in a melting hot pot of cannabis all over the all over the world. And 
seeing what everybody's doing and how the minds are being changed it's just something it's like discovering technology you know <laughs> when I was alive when that started that boom you know and like electricity and everything else like that's kind of what cannabis is and it's just going to take time and you know it might take a decade or two like to really I don't think it's going to happen fast there's a lot of minds to change and a lot of um, propaganda to undo <laughs> but it's, it's slowly true. coming around and I think as we realize what it can really be it'll it'll get there yeah yeah well you certainly sound very excited about the industry and about what you're doing uh, you mentioned the fact that you found your niche and uh, you know as a um, a business professor I, I always talk to the students about you know you, as you just said you, you find what you're passionate about and you'll never work a day in your life. And it certainly sounds like you've done that. If you had to boil down, let's say, three things that uh, a business person, and specifically, since I'm um, talking to uh, an African-American female, if, if you had to boil down three things that um, someone, uh, a female, African-American female, is, should be looking at, getting into the business, what would you say? Three things that you should look at getting into the business. Well, you know, one is don't expect because there is social equity and we are the minority that people are going to, like, reach up and help you. Mm -hmm. um, that's not, you have to work twice as hard and prove yourself twice as much as anybody else. Mm -hmm. I've talked to many investors and many people to try and invest in my company and everyone, no one's opened their pocketbook, but it's like, I know everyone's watching. But mm -hmm. sometimes I get responses from certain things, certain posts on LinkedIn and it's, funny to see especially that I just posted that I got granted a license and everyone I'm like look at these people coming out of the woodwork they have been and they're making mm. statements oh I saw you here and you're doing this and you're doing that and it's kind of funny because it's like just remember you're always being watched especially as an African-American woman mm. people are wanting to see what you can and can't do and I I don't think it also is partially waste being a woman and being a first-time CEO I don't have a business background I've never I mean other than running um, a, a party business you know doing bubbles shows for kids for a few years mm. I've always worked for some and help build someone else's business so I think people are very iffy like can she hold it together can she build something can you do it mm -hmm. and so that's one of the big things I so you know one is going to be proving yourself and having to stand up and be a voice mm -hmm. um, and making sure people recognize you in the dreaming business um, two is you know as an African-American woman you know there's always that stigma you know about us and our it's hard because you know People aren't always well. They've, I've been crossed. I've made mistakes. Mm. I've been done wrong. But it's like, do I come at them like this and say, I can't believe it. You're just, I'll never do, you know, like a, like a, a bad customer complaint. No, because this industry's small. I don't throw anybody under the bus. You have to be very light on your toes and how you deal with people. And you just kind of put them in their pocket and know who they are. I'd rather mm. someone come at me and show me who they are than mm. a year and a half down the line. They're not who I thought they were. So, mm. you know, those are lessons you will learn in life and in business, I think. Um, and then with cannabis, you know, if you start with a passion, either you love it or you don't, if you're getting into this industry to make money, I know we talk about generational wealth, but if that's your only reason, you're going to fail. You're mm. really going to fail. Uh, generational wealth can't be the reason that you're getting into this industry. Um, there's just too much work to be done, too much, um, you know, wrongs to be righted and a lot of other things. And I think, you know, 
sometimes people, if that's your reason, when you get into this industry, that's the beauty of cannabis, that some people, it changes. You become more of an advocate. You start realizing what you need to do and how you can be successful. And being successful is more about like philanthropy than sales sometimes. Like, how can I help you? I don't have much, but I will donate to this cause or mm. I will put you out on blast this way. Or We have to help each other and come together. So those are the three mm. biggest things I can say. Well, I can't let you go before I find out how you got into the new markets. You mentioned earlier that you're in two new markets. How, how did that happen? Well, I, um, I'm originally, my, my mother um, from Colorado. I was actually born in Los Angeles, so I'm a California native, but I grew up okay. in Colorado. And so um, when Colorado Social Equity came online, which was, it is what it is. Yeah. I did apply and got the status. I was like, cool, I'll figure out what I'm going to do with it later because I'm so busy building in California. And it's a very tough market, as you know. Yeah. Um, I actually, one of my vendors, and I've been wanting to expand. I've been saying, I, oh, I've spent most of my life in Colorado, you know, school growing up, college. Mm-hmm. I have people messaging me all the time, like, can we get your products yet? Where can we buy them in Colorado? <laughs> and my family from Colorado is like wow. four generations deep. They came over in, like on in, through Ellis Island to Colorado. Oh and my. like, I have the paperwork. I was just in New York for a cannabis convention and went there to find, get the actual certificate where my, my ancestor wrote her name on the ship that brought her here to America. Oh my God. So yeah, I mean, I have a lot of deep roots there and I was like, I have to find a way. I know I'm living in California and this is where I started, but I have to find a way to get to my, to, to my people <laughs> that know me well. Um, and so it actually was very organic for Colorado and the fact that, um, one of my, um, uh, uh, vendors is out of Colorado where I get some of my packaging from and they had an event and I, it's about building relationships. Everyone knows who I am. I talk to everyone myself. I don't have an assistant calling or some hourly person. So um, they mentioned me to a manufacturer there that's that's um, social equity, one of the only female social social equity um, manufacturers. There's only two in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you, you should connect. And so I did. And so she has a manufacturing company. So without any backing, you know, everyone keeps talking about licensing deals. You know, you can license your brand name out. But in the cannabis industry, we're not... Pepsi, we're not Nike. No one's paying for the use of your name. Like in Colorado, Queen Mary means nothing. So why would a company come to me and say, mm-hmm. "We're going to use your name. We're going to make put up all the money and distribute mm-hmm. this product ourselves, and we're going to give you a piece of it." No, that's that's a pipe dream. So you have to build it yourself, and that's what I did. I made the connection. I said, "Okay, what can I do? How can I afford? I had to borrow money on my own name, you know, mm-hmm. and personal loans, which are high because you can't borrow for the business. Yeah, it's cannabis, right. and so." Um, you know, I have a deal with my manufacturer. We're doing like an 80-20 profit split. I'm buying all the all of the ingredients, all the packaging and everything. They're making it and that's how I'm setting up. And that's also what I'm doing in New Mexico by, you know, just going to events and meeting people. I was in Arizona in October for their Mita event, which is like a monthly cannabis. And wow, do they do it up there in Phoenix, Arizona? Let me tell you, <laughs> they take over a whole hotel and they have different laws. Every state has different laws. I was in Arizona and it's like the wild, wild west out there. They don't have the metric system. It's not tracked from seed to sale. It's just very different. So every state you got to learn different laws and different compliance. But I was able to expand because I've made relationships with people and I met people and I said this is people are very interested in what my product is and what it stands for. It's very different in the market. Um, I'm lucky enough to have, you know, that was my approach was gapping the bridge between medicinal and recreational. I feel like a lot of people feel that once we went to recreational, especially in California, we lost so many farmers, so many dispensaries mm-hmm. because people couldn't switch over and the, the laws and the taxes were so crazy. And so, you know, I'm finding a way to keep the medicinal part of cannabis 
in the recreational space um, mm. and, and promote that and saying there's health and wellness behind it. So right now we have our three products that are mental health line. And when I get more money, <laughs> if I get more money, I do have other products that I want to put out there as well, but it's going to be like physical health, you know, whether it's, mm. uh, you know, helping multivitamins that are involved with your cannabis. So you can get your daily dose of things with your cannabis, with your gummies. So how would people get in touch with you? And maybe as important, how would people get your product? Well, you can go on pretty much, you know, Leafly for our product, um, leafly.com or trees or weed maps. And you kind of just put in the name Queen Mary. And then in your area, it'll show you if we're offered. We're in about 30 stores up and down the state from Sacramento down to San Diego. And um, so we might not be around. There might be a delivery service that delivers to you. I am trying really hard to work on getting um, a delivery, like direct to consumer. Um, There's a few services out there to come up so I can get do direct. So people can go to my website eventually and order the products. And then there's a delivery service in that area that will expand in delivery your products that way. So that's hopefully coming soon. But then I just got this license. So who knows? (laughs) I can only so much at once. Um, But you can also find me, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find my Queen Mary profile. You can also find me personally, Tiana Woodruff. Um, Definitely, uh, you know, social media. We have an account. It's Queen Mary underscore LA. You sometimes have to type in the whole thing because, you know, um, mm. They don't like cannabis brands, and we get shadow banned a lot. But Queen Mary underscore LA, and you'll see the name Queen Mary Edibles with our logo. Um, you know, we do have a Facebook page as well, Queen Mary underscore LA, and that's pretty much where you can find us. Or you know, like you said, I said look us up online between Leafly, Weed Maps, or whatever. Or go to my website, which is um, www.queenmarybrand.com, and there's I usually link all the podcasts and all the like you know press interviews we do on our website. I have a product, I have a store locator there for you as well, so you can put in your um, zip code and see for anywhere in your area and just a lot of different information about the products and the things that we do well i am positive that after listening to this episode there would be a lot of i guess i would say prospective cannabis business people um, maybe specifically african-american females that would love to talk with you um, which is going to be hard because you're spread really I have a, thin I have already. A message. I actually just had someone recently reach out to me on social media when they saw my post about the dispensary, and she said, "Oh my gosh, you know, Tiana, I would love to just sit down with you for a minute, like yes. get some advice." And I said, "Listen, I I will sit down with you, pick a day, you know, that we can work out, and wow. whether we have lunch and share stories, or I can give you advice or give you some sort of mentorship, I'm happy to, and I really will. That's one thing I find really important. I mean, I can close my email just like now. I was driving for three hours up." Here. I already know I'm getting in the car. I'm looking. Oh I was like, oh my god, I got so much stuff to answer. Oh my. Another hour. It's like you know what? People hear from me when they hear from me, and if you don't understand that, I'm, then whatever. And so sometimes you know, there's not nothing that urgent. My house isn't on fire, right? <laughs> we're good. Like if I get to you in three hours, you're okay, right? Like it's you'll you live good. And so I feel that way. People are always first for me, like especially the connections and relationships. And mm-hmm. if I can be of any advice or any help or tell you about my trials and tribulations or you know introduce you, I actually have a vast network of people that I've built. I talk a lot. I go out a lot. Yeah. People are always talking about build your network or have this little thing. And I'm like, my network's so big. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I have people coming at me in every direction. Sometimes I have to meet you three and four times. You remember who you are. Yeah. Like, you know, people are like, Tiana! And they see me at events. And I'm like, hi! 
hi. And I'm like, you look familiar. And they're like, I met you with this. And I'm like, I'm so glad you remember because I don't. You know, and that's wow. not, not on purpose. It's just I literally have met 10,000 people in the last few months. <laughs> but I will try. If you really have a purpose and, you know, want to, want to I will help this any way I can because I believe that the more we help each other and my coin phrases together, we will rise. Well, I, I am positive that this episode is going to motivate a lot of people. I want to go back to your your number that you just said, um, three hours away. You drove from North Hollywood yes. here <laughs> yes. to the studio in San Diego, okay, for this uh, podcast episode. So, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. You can do it. And then, ladies and gentlemen, she's got to get back on the freeway and go back. Uh, and I have an event tonight, actually, at Green Street in downtown LA. So yes, you're <laughs> kidding me. No, no, I've double booked today. Yes, and then oh. tomorrow I'm catching a plane and I'm flying into El Paso and running a car and driving into New Mexico because my New Mexico partners, I will plug them, that I'm going to be uh, partnering with are opening their dispensary called 420 Collections in uh, what is it, Las Cenitas? Las Cenitas? I don't know. It's like. Uh, 30 minutes north of the border over Texas. Okay. So I will be there this weekend. So that's what I'm, tomorrow I'm on a plane to, to drive there for their opening on Saturday. <laughs> well, you know, I can appreciate all the good things that cannabis does uh, because I speak about it from the standpoint of it being medicine. But over and above that, whatever you've got inside you <laughs> that causes you to have so much doggone energy needs to be bottled, canned. <laughs> I'll tell you, that's what people say. I do have a lot of energy, but there are times where I'm exhausted. There are days where, honestly, I'm like, okay, get out of bed. I'm on my phone, like, I'm trying to answer emails, and it's like, get up. Okay, you have to get your day going. You know, there are nights where, you know, this weekend, um, I was at the Harvest Ball, the Emerald Cup Harvest Ball oh, in right. Santa Rosa. So okay. we drove up, you know, on uh, Saturday morning. Wow. There was an accident on the highway. There was all the weather and the rain. It was a nine-hour drive, which should have been oh. like six and a half, seven. Um, by the time we get there, it's like run in, you know, talk to people, be there till 10 o'clock at night, go home, do it the next day. <laughs> and then it was like, you know, and that's just what we do. We drive around. I get in my car. I don't have the money to be flying everywhere. I just happen to be flying to to right. to New Mexico because I looked it up to drive and it was 11 hours. I was like, I don't have an 11 oh hour drive in me. Um, but I will fly. <laughs> but you know, and it, it, is, it is exhausting. But like I said, if you love what you do, you never, you never work, work a day, day in your life. life. Absolutely. <laughs> Tiana, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending this time with me. Thank you um, for having me. It's a pleasure to be invited. Wow. And, and if, if you're, whoever's listening, the audience, um, if you have an opportunity to both meet Tiana and or to try her product, you have got to do it. Um, visiting with her would change your life. <laughs> thank you. I, I'm just convinced it would change your life. So thank you very much for spending the time with me. And I wish you Godspeed on your travels back. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you. I'm looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> and tonight's event. <laughs> tonight's event. Yeah. And tomorrow on the airplane. <laughs> that's me but yeah. if you can catch me you know i'll respond like i figure when i'm sitting in the airport that's the best time it's usually <laughs> as you know uh, today i had to drive sometimes my husband can drive for me but he had stuff to do for his job today um and i'm in the, usually in the car like trying to work wow. at the same time but yeah wow. and i meant to i also meant to i wanted to mention that we do have a newsletter that we do send out you know sure. sometimes 
once a month, sometimes twice, depending on <laughs> how busy I am. Okay. Um, but you can sign up for that on our website. Um, I used to have a big thing at the top, and I need to put it there. But if you scroll to the bottom, it says subscribe to newsletter. Please do, because it tells you about all the events that were coming up in the month. If you want to meet me, if you can't get me to answer an email, show up an event I'm at. You'll see me there. I'll be there in person. <laughs> Come talk to me. I'm happy to answer any questions. So, you know, please subscribe to our newsletter and definitely, you know, follow us on Instagram and We'll see you out in the cut. We'll see you in the grind. (laughs) Thank you very much, Tiana. This has been um, another fascinating episode of Cannabis Enlightened. I want to thank the audience for listening. If you'd like to listen to this and all of our episodes, be sure to log in to CannabisEnlightened.com. And if you'd like to contact me with a comment, a question, a remark, Uh, please do so at drleroy at cannabisenlightened.com. And you can find me on the Olus Media Network. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Cannabis Enlightened is produced in San Diego, California, and presented by March and Ash at marchandash.com. On behalf of Dr. Leroy, I'm Chris Cantori, and thank you for listening. Olas Media.